Okay. So do any of you have that one drunk uncle? You know the guy. He's the one where you dread him coming over for the holidays. He always seems to ruin Christmas because he gets so tanked that he says something wildly inappropriate and makes your mother cry. He shows up. He's got his shirt hanging out. His beer belly's hanging out. And he's managed to polish off a fifth of Jack Daniels before the stuffing hits the table on Christmas Eve. He's a problem. We feel for him. We want him to get better. We love him. But he always seems to ruin Christmas with his alcoholism. Drunk Uncle Glenn. Well, I have a solution to help your drunk Uncle Glenn that it will keep him extra safe. This is going to make sure that Uncle Glenn stays safe. It's going to improve the situation. I am going to allow drunk Uncle Glenn to hand me his empty Jack Daniels bottle. And I will furnish him with five brand new Jack Daniels bottles that are full to the brim with the good stuff. Sounds asinine, right? Why, oh why, would you give an alcoholic five bottles of whiskey when everybody knows that you don't give more liquor to an alcoholic because they're an alcoholic? You would never do this to somebody. You would never do it. But this is the new playbook for compassion today, folks. This is the playbook. And <laughs> I wish I wish I could tell you that this is what they were actually doing with bottles of Jack Daniels. Um, it's it's much bigger than that. So the the grand bureaucratic idea that they have come up with in order to keep people safe in the community is this idea of a needle exchange. Have you heard of these? Have you heard of needle exchanges? These are all over the country. Needle exchange brought to you by the do-gooders in our bureaucracies, in our bleeding heart liberal nonprofits that are really just funnels for political money. This is their grand idea. Now, when they say needles, I suppose they mean, you know, if you're out of like insulin needles, you can go and be like, hey, I'm out of insulin needles. Can you hook me up with, you know, a couple new ones? No, that's not what they're talking about. Or maybe they're talking about EpiPens. Maybe like once you use your EpiPen, maybe you could trade in your old EpiPen and get five new EpiPens for, you know, if you have an anaphylactic reaction. Mm, no, that's not what they're talking about. No, they want to keep the community safe while it's injecting heroin, while it's injecting methamphetamine, while it's injecting opiates, while it's injecting crack cocaine. Want to keep you safe while you're injecting heavy duty narcotics. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, this is the genius ideas coming to you from the compassionate bureaucrats out there. These There are hundreds 
of these all over the country. Asheville, North Carolina, Berkeley, California, Sacramento, California, New York City. That's just to name a few. I'm talking there are literally hundreds of places in this country where you can show up strung out, out of your mind. You hand your yucky, disgusting needle to them and they go, oh, ooh, yeah, this will keep you safe. Here's 20 more. Here you go. Yay. This is insane. Absolutely insane. I want to keep you safe by giving you more needles. Okay, so I looked into why they they feel this is a good idea. Because it's all about feeling like it's a good idea, right? It's not actually asking, is this a good idea? And thinking, okay, if I do this, then what? Because that's what a rational person would do. Is I hand somebody 20 needles and then what? Okay, their rationale is that, well... The person who comes into a needle exchange is five times more likely to go into treatment. Okay, I'll accept that. Now, that's all well and good, except for that's making the assumption that the needle exchange is causing people to go into treatment. This is correlation, that's not causation. Handing somebody who's addicted to opiates more needles does not make them go into treatment. It makes them use more opiates. It fast tracks them to rock bottom. A lot of times you hit rock bottom, you get the joy of laying your casket on top of that rock. I'm not going to pretend like, you know, I haven't seen the things that need to be seen here. Okay. I worked in the addiction community for five years and I worked with a lot of people and sometimes, you know, clients come, clients go, they come back. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they just go, boop, gone. Where did they go? Where'd they go? Did they go on vacation? No. They relapsed. They relapsed. And relapsing is a dangerous game when you have fentanyl out there. And I'll get back to fentanyl in a minute. Now, I mentioned North Carolina, Berkeley, Sacramento, New York City, just as a few example cities. Let's take a moment to think, hmm, Asheville, North Carolina, Berkeley, Sacramento, New York City. What do these four places have in common? Chicago, hmm, Minneapolis. Trying to think what all these places have in common. Oh, that's right. That's right. I don't even need to say it. You're saying it in your head. You know exactly what they are. You know what type of people rule these cities. Thank God there are none of these in Texas. I looked. There are none of these in Texas. Hallelujah. There are none. But there are, just within Berkeley alone, there's four places within the Berkeley city limits where you can show up, no questions asked, and with your disgusting, gross needle, and then they hand you 20 more. Same thing with Sacramento, except for not to be outdone by the geniuses in Berkeley, they have five. In the capital of California, you there are five places where you can show up 
and get fresh needles to inject yourself with methamphetamine if you want. I mean, if I don't think there's anything more peak California than that. <laughs> so back to back to fentanyl. If you haven't heard of fentanyl, fentanyl is a huge problem when it comes to overdosing. It is a heavy-duty synthetic drug that's being trafficked into our country via ports and over the border through human trafficking routes. That's according to the DEA. Huge problem. It's actually one of the largest issues at the border, but nobody wants to talk about that, right? Nobody's talking about that because that actually points out some of the actual issues that are happening. So fentanyl is getting laced into um, knockoff Oxycontin pills. Um, it's in heroin. It's cut into meth. It's cut into cocaine. And it doesn't take much in order to have a bad result. Bad result, I mean dead. And that's what happened to these people when you're like, oh, they relapsed. It's not that they're necessarily going and doing, you know, more than they should. It's because what they get is laced with fentanyl. And if you get fentanyl, you die. That's it. Dead. D-E-D. Dead. If there's a fentanyl bust, they can't just, like, go and, like, sweep it up. They have to call in hazmat. They have to come in with the full suits. They have to seal themselves off and do a full hazardous materials removal because it's so deadly. If you accidentally inhale a granule of this stuff, you're dead. (laughs) So this is not just dangerous for the user, it's also dangerous for the people who have to clean up after this mess, the first responders, the firemen, the police. Right, okay, so fentanyl's a big problem, but you know what, they like it. They like all of these things. They like it. They see no problem with hardcore drugs. In fact, there is a bill that is moving through the the California state legislature. It is about to make its way to Gavin Newsom's desk called SB 519. What is SB 519? It is a bill written by Scott Weiner, Scott Weiner. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Either one is probably correct. Of San Francisco. Now this bill decriminalizes psychedelics. And okay, so you're probably thinking, all right, Casey, don't be such a prude about the psychedelics. What do we got? Some some hippies chewing on mushrooms, dropping acid, maybe some young people getting some ecstasy for a rave. Give me a break. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to accept all of that, okay? Fine, legalize it, whatever, okay? I'll accept all of that even though I disagree with it and I think it's completely wrong. But this is all just like for the sake of argument. Okay, fine, legalize all that. Well, let me tell you what else is on the list here. Ketamine. Ketamine. Mm, have we heard of ketamine before? What is ketamine used for? Well, I'll tell you right after this. Okay, so ketamine. What is ketamine for? 
hear the Jeopardy theme playing in my head. All right, the answer is ketamine is used for date rape. Yay, date rape. Date rape is so much fun. Am I right, gals? Isn't it wonderful to go out with your friends? You're having a great time. And then some creep puts ketamine in your drink and they go, oopsie. We had sex, but you didn't get to consent to it. I was under the impression that these hashtag me too folks gave a shit about consent. That's, that's what I thought. I thought it was all about, we need to have consent, but I guess hashtag me too actually means give me some ketamine too. Me too. I want ketamine. Please give me some. So that way I can be date raped. We're legalizing date rape drugs. I mean, is, is there an asteroid coming to like blow me off of this fucking earth? Like, are, are, are you serious? We're legalizing date rape drugs. I'll tell you who I'm voting for for president in 2022 or 2024, a freaking asteroid. Take me off of this planet. Scott Weiner, Scott Weiner. Bet you don't need to, you know, guess which letters next to his name. D for dumbass. Scott Weiner. And if you want to look this fine fellow up about, um, you know, you want to know a little bit about, more about him, just do a Google image search of Scott Weiner. Scott Weiner. And you'll find a picture of him walking around the streets of San Francisco in a bondage harness. These are the elected officials in California. Now, Casey, why should I care about what's going on in California? I know my Texas listeners are thinking this. Why do I care what a bunch of crazy idiots do in California? I don't care. Well, I am here to tell you that you should. You should. You should care. Because the current administration has said that they are using California as a template for the country. They looked at California and said, hmm, legal date rape drugs, sounds good to me, along with all the other stupid ideas that they have. So it's absolutely important that we keep our eyes on places like Sacramento, New York City, Chicago, all these places where all their fantastic ideas get to go and blossom into the, the festering, disgusting cesspools that they are where people are suffering and literally being raped because of policies of the state. Did you know one in four adult women is sexually assaulted here in the United States? One in four women. And, but yet we're, we're legalizing ketamine for personal use because the idea behind this bill is, well, You know, we shouldn't really be filling up our prisons with low-level drug offenders. It's just possession of drugs. I mean, ugh. Well, that's assuming that these people who are have the possession of the drugs, that's the only thing they're up to. Have you ever read like a a rap sheet of, of any criminal? It's never just drugs, it's drugs and robbery. Drugs and assault and battery. Drugs and grand theft. Drugs and date rape. 
So let me ask you this, Scott Weiner. How much ketamine uh, is is personal use? How much? Is, is date rape a personal use? This got me fired up, man. This has got me fired up. When I first heard about this bill, I... <laughs> I can't even believe that people are willing to put up with this. But I also feel like people probably don't even know about it. So California listeners, I'm asking you, how many of you even knew about Senate Bill 519? Did you know about it? Because you're about to see a whole lot more drugs on your streets very soon. And like we just said, it's not just drugs by itself. Drugs and theft, drugs and robbery, drugs and drugs and. Things are going to get very, very interesting there very soon, especially if this passes. And we already saw, you know, the the effects of Proposition 47, which all of those idiots voted for out there. And we can talk about that in another episode. But people like Scott Weiner love sexual assault. That's a pretty bold claim to make, and I'm making it. I am here, I am here to claim here in front of you today that it is my opinion that these nutcase leftists like sexual assault. They like it. And I'm going to bolster it with a few claims here. So I'm going now to an article from the Huffington Post, which is, of course, you know, a right-wing outlet, right? Huffington Post. Not even close, right? So according to the Huffington Post, this is an, an article by Eleanor Goldberg, 80% of girls crossing the border from Central America are raped. 80%. 80. Eight, zero. Not 30. Not one in three. Not one in two. <laughs> Eight out of every 10 girls that come across the border that are trafficked into this country by the same people that are trafficking the fentanyl, by the way, are raped. Now, for if I happen to have any any moderate Democrats listening that inadvertently vote for this stuff because they think they need to vote this way because they voted for JFK and Clinton and Obama. <laughs> okay. I want you to know. I want you. 10 girls. Put 10 girls in front of your eyes. Okay. Here's one. See them lining up. Close your eyes and see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 girls lining up here. And by the way, I'm not saying women. I'm saying girls, minors, children. Okay. They're all lined up in front of you. All of you that are that are allowing this nonsense at the border where to allow these girls to get trafficked across, you just said yes to rape to eight of them. You yeah, you said yes. I'm sorry if that upsets you. You said yes. You said yes to it. Now, when I read that statistic, I was horrified as somebody who has their their own ketamine story, their own sexual assault story. That's very upsetting to me. So 
like a involved citizen, I decided to write my congressman. And at the time, I was still living in Southern California. My congressman is a fantastic, or was, a fantastic gentleman named Lou Correa. Lou Correa represents the 46th district in California, which covers Anaheim, Santa Ana, Orange. It's the bluest district in all of Orange County. And just in Santa Ana alone, there's 100,000 people who have entered the country illegally just in Santa Ana alone. So if you want to do the math on, you know, half of them are probably women, 50,000. Okay. So one out of eight of those raped. So he's got literally tens of thousands of rape victims from this trafficking within his district. Okay. So I, I wrote to him and said, dear representative Correa, please vote yes on border security to help direct these people to legal ports of entry so that way they cannot be exploited because they are being exploited by people who are able to take advantage of people in need okay please help and i detailed my story i shared the statistics of what these poor girls go through. I shared that they are sent with plan B when they make their journey up through Central America to try and cross into America. Of course, they're sent with plan B just because they plan on stopping at some of the towns on the way and having a good time, right? That's what the plan B's for, not because they're going to be raped by their traffickers. While they're simultaneously being used as drug mules to traffic fentanyl into the country, which is killing people. Okay, well, I will give Mr. Correa some credit. He responded to my letter. He responded. He sent me a response. I've I've written my congressman multiple times, and usually they have some sort of response, you know, saying, you know, here's what I've done on this issue. And, you know, they give you the, like the little bullet points of, oh, I passed this. I've been a champion of this community by blah, 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 blah. And they sell you on why they're actually doing something when they're really not. <laughs> but they at least acknowledge the issue. And, and it's probably some canned response written by some schmuck in his office. But at, at least there's an effort to, to mitigate <laughs> the issue and be like, okay, you know, I, I understand you're frustrated with me, but here's what I have done. Okay, well, here is what the cowards at Lou Correa's office sent to me in response to my letter asking him to please vote yes to help stop exploitation of girls at the border. Dear Mrs. Merkling, congratulations on your recent birthday. And then it listed my my birthday in that six-digit format. Regards, Representative Lou Correa. That was it. That was the letter. So I wrote a letter to my congressman saying, please help girls that are being raped. And he sent me a fucking birthday card. His, his position is so indefensible and he has done absolutely nothing to help that he's got nothing to say. He's got, he had to send something like that. Shame on you, Lou Correa. Shame on you. But I know, I, I know those idiots will still vote for you. 
because you, you got the right color next to your name because you guys are the ones that help people, right? You're the ones who help people. You're the ones that hand out the needles and you're the ones that help the fentanyl get across the border and you're the ones that help people get raped because you're compassionate because it's compassionate. I'm fed up with your compassion. I'm fed up. This is not compassion. Compassion does not push people into harm's way. Now, if if somebody's going to put themselves into harm's way, there's nothing you can really do about that. Everybody is allowed to take their own risks in life. You're allowed to assess your own risks. But it's not the government's job to build a system that facilitates risk, adds risk, or inflicts harm. That's not the government's role. The government should not be aiding people who are inflicting harm. The government should not be creating systems where the police now have to show up in hazmat suits to deal with a drug bust. That's a government-created situation because if we were tight on our border and it was impossible to get through except for legal points of entry, there would be a lot less fentanyl in the country. There would be a lot less girls getting raped on their way up through Central America and Mexico because they wouldn't be able to get through. They would have to go to the legal points of entry, thus eliminating the need for a coyote. You would not need one. You don't need a coyote to go through the legal point of entry. Behind every single one of these girls that makes it across the border, there's a heartbreaking story. And that's that's the idea, you know, of like, oh, the compassion. Well, we have to because they're, they have a heartbreaking story. But here's the part that they're not telling you. They're not telling you that the heartbreak does not stop once they get here to America. Bolstered by this quote from a New York Times article where one of these poor girls told the reporter, quote, you have to pay with your body. And she was referring not only to her journey up through Central America and Mexico, she was talking about once she got here. She had to continue to pay her traffickers with her body. Chew on that. Chew on that. If this is compassion, you can keep it. I don't want your compassion. I don't want it. It is the government's job to set up a place that keeps its citizens as safe as possible from people who would do them harm. It is not the government's job to aid those who would do harm. Sometimes, sometimes I just, 
I wonder if, if, if what I believed about this country is really a lie and maybe it really isn't what I thought it was. Because I find, and I'm not, I'm not even necessarily talking about the, the government. I'm talking about the people in it. Is this what you want? You cannot have the American dream if you are enslaved to a trafficker that you now have to pay with your body. That is not how the American dream is achieved because now you are somebody's slave. You are indebted to them forever. They own you. I'm fed up with your compassion, you crazy bleeding heart liberals. I'm fed up with it. You do more harm than you realize. I'm fed up. This has been The Fed Up. I am your fed up hostess, Casey Merkling. Thanks for listening.